Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain, T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fartone right up front. Younger fan inside of the net. Score! The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us here on a thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Feeling good, feeling fine. Back at it uh, again today. We go from hockey to hoop. Still celebrating the Vegas Golden Knights victory today. We have more celebration coverage for you. And we talked about the parade yesterday. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. Jam-packed show coming your way today. You're going to hear a classic interview from Jonathan Marcheseau, the Con Smythe winner, the original Golden Misfit. So happy for him and all the Golden Knights who are now champions of the National Hockey League, the Stanley Cup uh, champions, and that uh, Stanley Cup still praying its way around Las Vegas and will be for quite some time. So we'll continue with our Vegas Golden Knights coverage on the show today. Chris Matthews will join us today, our good friend, the sports director over at News 8. And I want to have Chris on today because he is going to be doing a one-on-one with Bill Foley live tonight uh, on News 8. And it's basically going to be taking over a good portion of the n- news segment, not just the sports segment, but the news segment tonight. So I wanted to promote that for Chris today. So we're going to have him on. And anytime that we can get more sports on local news and less news, less crime, less all this other nonsense, right? Because I always, I always feel bad for my sports TV anchors. And reporters, our good friends, you know, like Kevin over at Five and, and Chris over at uh, News Aid and B Sal, Brian Salmon and Jesse Merrick over at Three, right? Because these guys get 90 seconds. I mean, they do all of the, pro, you know, all the work and all the show prep. And it takes them seriously three to four hours of show prep. It takes me about two to three hours of show prep a day to do a two hour show. These guys take about three hours with television and they get 90 seconds. They get 90 seconds to two minutes for their sports cast. So I think it's pretty cool that News 80 is going to let Chris basically take over a good portion from 6.30 to 7 tonight during their, you know, basically primetime newscast and do a sit down with Bill Foley. And Chris has got a very unique story. We talk about the relationships that we have with people um, in the sports community, whether they are owners and coaches and that sort of thing. I talked a little bit yesterday about my relationship with Bill Foley, but it really pales in comparison to what Brian Blessing had. Uh, of course, you know, Brian preceded me, you know, on this station, but before our show and may he rest in peace and him, Bill and Bill Foley were very, very close. Uh, I've had Bill Foley on from the beginning, but not nearly as much as Brian Blessing and Chris Matthews. And Chris actually hosted the night that I referenced yesterday, November 22nd, 2016, when Bill Foley made the big announcement, what the team name was going to be, made the original prediction that the Knights were going to be in the playoffs in three years and go to the Stanley Cup Finals and win the Stanley Cup Finals uh, in six, which that 
has rang true. So, uh, yeah, I want to have a Chris on today. So he will join us a little bit later on. And then Jesus Lopez is going to join us as well today, uh, as well. Uh, my good friend and uh, my colleague who does a fantastic job with the Vegas Golden Knights on the Spanish side. He will join us. Scott Spritzer will join us like he normally does on Thursdays. We talk about from the handicapping perspective, uh, recap the Stanley Cup finals, the NBA finals, a look at baseball and, and much, much more. Uh, again, talking a little bit more about the parade that will be happening on Saturday. And tonight, of course, the Aces are back in action against the Seattle Storm as the Aces will be taking on the Seattle Storm. Aces 18 and a half point favorites tonight. Surprised? This is not this, this is not the Seattle Storm team that we used to see. Just like the Chicago Sky team they played uh, last Sunday. But the Aces 8-1, and one, and uh, we will be getting ready for that game tonight. Of course, you can join me on the call if you're not going to the game. If you can go to the game, it's Pride Night. So uh, it will be a lot of uh, great fun and uh, celebration there tonight as well, too. A lot of uh, stuff planned for the Michelob Ultra Arena Tip off 7 o'clock. And again, if you can't make it out there, tune in with me down the dial at ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM, 630 pregame with Becky Hammond, and then uh, the play-by-play call with me at 7 o'clock. All right, so jam-packed show like we talked about. And I want to touch upon the Golden Knights again. Just uh, the feeling is still settling in. Uh, the people still reveling in um, the craziness that was... We know that, uh, you know, two nights ago when the Golden Knights won in resounding fashion nine to three over the Florida Panthers, which was just purely a beat down. And, uh, the party ensued not only in T-Mobile Arena, but afterwards spilled on the street. And I do want to say this, that kudos for Golden Knights fans for not being crazy and nuts. Because getting out of T-Mobile Arena, I anticipated was going to be a nightmare. It really wasn't. People really did a great job of celebrating in the arena, celebrating uh, around the area or going home to celebrate. We know the Golden Knights had a great party afterwards uh, over at Caesars at the nightclub uh, there. They had a great time. But you know what we didn't hear? We didn't hear cars being burned up, setting cars on fire, uh, rioting in the streets, like we've seen in a lot of cities, a lot of celebrations, which I've never understood why that happens. But it just happened a few days ago with the Denver Nuggets, where 10 people were killed. Just shameless that someone got out a gun and decided to shoot people after the game was over in killing 10 people. How that makes any sense, I have no idea. And... That kind of stuff was going in the back of my mind while we were sitting there at T-Mobile Arena. I said, man, I hope there's not going to be any nonsense like this because let's be honest, we remember what happened here. What was that, 2008 with the NBA All-Star Game? Whatever that was and the nonsense that happened there. And then some people felt that, hey, that's going to cost Las Vegas from getting an NBA franchise. And no one will admit that, say that, well, that's a reason we still haven't got one, but we did get the aces in the WNBA. But anytime you have, um, you know, tens of thousands or, you know, close to a hundred thousand people that are gathering to celebrate, there are going to people that act a fool. And that's what happened in Denver a couple days ago. And luckily we didn't hear of any major news like that happening here in Vegas after the Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup. 
I think the, they were saving the party for the parade. Okay, they, I, I, I believe Saturday will be nuts. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's make sure that it's it's nuts. It'll, it's I, I think nuts. it'll be the safe nuts. I yeah. think it'll just be a bunch of drunk fans. Yeah. That's a, yeah, good stuff. All right, but uh, the Golden Knights they built this uh, franchise the right way, and uh, congratulations again to all the Golden Knights and to their fans. I wanted to play something today, and while we were reveling in the celebration and going back, um. I remember a conversation, one of the first conversations I had with Jonathan Marchessault. And kudos to him for winning the Conn Smythe Trophy, basically the MVP of the postseason for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I thought I would share with you today uh, an interview. It's a classic interview that goes back to year number one, 2018, while the Golden Knights were in the playoffs, uh, where... I had a conversation with Jonathan Marsh, so had a lot of fun with this. And to celebrate him and not to reach out and try to bother him during the celebration time that he's enjoying with friends and family and teammates and that sort of thing, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of go back and listen to what Marchie sounded like back then because they were getting ready to revel in going to the Stanley Cup finals against the Washington Capitals. But uh, let's have a little fun, a little retro, a little classic interview with Jonathan Marcheseau back in the day. 27 goals on the year, 48 assists, totaling 75 points, and arguably part of one of the best lines in the entire NHL, along with William Carlson and Riley Smith. And he joins us now with the Vegas Golden Knights, Jonathan Marcheseau. How you doing, Jonathan? Hey, I'm good. How about you? I'm good, man. Put into words what this journey has been like for you since day one when you actually knew that you were coming to Vegas and that you actually knew that you were going to become a Vegas Golden Knight. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was definitely a journey. Uh, we all started in the same environment. We were all in the same position from uh, other teams, and it was kind of weird getting there. And uh, but we got all, everybody there got there with the... We, with the attitude that we wanted to be a, a tight team and uh, we wanted to, to be part of, a, of, of something special and uh, we, de- we definitely built something special here. You know, you're the epitome of, or the poster guy for this team. You were undrafted. You've been through three organizations before this. And then in January, you signed a six-year, $30 million deal with the Vegas Golden Knights. And that should show you how much that George McPhee appreciates you, what he thinks of you, and wants you to be a staple of this team for years to come. How does that make you feel, considering you really never had that type of commitment from any of the other organizations that you were in previous before you came here, Columbus, Tampa Bay, or even Florida? Yeah, I mean, it's been, uh, I mean, I was uh, really happy uh, when uh, my agent and George uh, was able to and I was able to find a, a good deal for both sides. And, uh, like, I wanted, I think I was really happy to be here because we started something. We're starting a new franchise, and we, we're, uh, I think we're showing that we don't need any superstars on our team. We just want to play the right way. And, I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, I, I never got the opportunity to be able to, to play a lot of minutes. And uh, last year was definitely... Uh, in the right direction, but this year was able to, to step it up and be better and show that I can be a, a top-line guy for a couple of years for sure. You know, a lot of us in the media, watching you guys play during the course of this 
regular season now and through the playoffs. And we always say, hey, these guys must have had a chip on their shoulder. They felt that maybe they were all kind of cast off a little bit. Give it to us straight. I mean, when you guys first got together and went through training camp and then started the season, did you guys come together? Or was that a message from Gerard Gallant that said, hey, listen, it's us against the world mentality. Did you guys actually have that and feed off of that? Or is that something that just is kind of talked about amongst people here in Vegas, fans and throughout the league? Or is that a real thing? We came in training camp and Gerard Gallant, one of the first things he said at training camp was just, Make sure you have fun. And I mean, that's not, that's not necessarily common in the world of hockey that your coach tells you make sure you have fun. So, I mean, I just uh, took uh, a lot of weight off everybody's shoulder. We just went out there, wanted to have fun and uh, play the right way. And I mean, like, look where we are. I think we're uh, all doing uh, pretty good. Jonathan Marcheseau joining us here. 27 goals, 48 assists. Fantastic year for the Vegas Golden Knights. You spent three years in the Tampa Bay Lightning organization and actually played in the playoffs with them back in 2015. How much would you like to face them in the finals? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely like it. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of friends are still there and uh, would definitely be weird a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, the, uh, when you play them in the season, it's it's always weird. But when you step on the ice, I mean, everybody knows that you got to be business as usual, and you want to play uh, the the right way against against your old teammates. But I mean, against a Stanley Cup Finals against it would be definitely a, a great challenge because they're one of the best teams in the league. And uh, but it's uh, I think it's nothing uh, what the Golden Knights uh, cannot take care of. So what is the reason that you think that this team has been so successful? And even throw yourself in the mix there. I mean, having the great year, putting up these kind of numbers, is it just getting a chance to play? Is a lot of it have to do with the guys you're teamed with? But talk about why is this team so successful? It's for everybody. I think this is the, the chance to play. I mean, we we were all in positions that we weren't necessarily part of a of the core group of the other organization where we are. And we uh, think as a hockey player, you always want that. And we all came in and we want to be part of something. And and it was everybody was uh, happy to get a chance to play in the NHL organization that's one that, that wanted you. And I mean, I mean, we're, uh, we're part of that. And I mean, I, I think everybody's really happy. It always comes to the rink. And a uh, big part of, a big part of it is our coach gives us kind of confidence to make plays and play in their, in our, in our, in our style of game, uh, each individual. And, uh, I mean, it's just been, uh, awesome. It's been pretty fun, actually. Every, everybody wants to, like, uh, last night we went to Aria or most of the, of the guys on the team and it, it's, everybody wants to, to be part of the Golden Knights fever and it was definitely really fun. So I know you're a serious competitor on the ice. There's no doubt about it. From what I'm hearing, you're a pretty serious competitor in the locker room as well. So tell us a little bit about your pre-practice ritual in your basketball games with Lucas Pisa. I, I hear that, that they're pretty serious here, and, and the reports that I'm getting is that uh, Spiza's kind of taking it to you a little bit. What? <laughs> See, I'm getting some bad, I'm getting bad information, right? So go ahead, go ahead straighten I it out here. I guess you really got some bad information because Lucas Pisa is not even in my league when it comes to basketball. So... I just wanted to put that clear, and uh, now everybody knows that I'm way better. I would say he probably wins one every four or five games. Is that so right? I guess, yeah. 
So, so what's your strength? I mean, you, you know, you got the speed. You're only five nine, though. I mean, you got the jumper, or you got the moves. Uh, what's the deal? Your handles? It's just my shot is is it's. Uh, I don't know what to say. It's just that release is unbelievable. So, what's what's Spee's weak part of his game? Uh, it's consistency. I mean, he doesn't show up every time, and uh, his shots go right, left, right, left. Like he has no consistency. So, I mean, it's just uh, it's sad, but I mean, it's. Uh, you can't be good at everything, you know? So if you're the best basketball player on that team, who would be the second best? I would say, but we're playing mini basketball. It's like a mini basketball right. uh, in, in, in the trainer's room. I would say, uh, I would say Eken is pretty good. Uh, Does Flurry know what a basketball is? Uh, Flurry, I don't know. He doesn't. I don't know what he's doing <laughs> when he comes to the rink. He, he, he always looks in a rush, though. <laughs> oh, too funny. Jonathan, hey, we appreciate uh, the time. A fantastic year. I'm glad that uh, you found yourself a home here in Las Vegas. And I know Golden Knights fans are very happy that you know, you're playing with this team and you and represent them very, very well. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Jonathan Marcheseau, um, just a, a great guy, fun-loving guy, and he's always been known pretty much as the class clown of the Golden Knights, one of the original Golden Misfits, one of the original six, and uh, always enjoyed uh, talking with him. And then it couldn't happen to a nicer guy of being the consummate winner, Jonathan Marcheseau, and uh, just uh, fantastic, fantastic performance by him. And again, that's going back to when he first got here as a member of the Golden Knights, uh, just as joyous back then as he is uh, today. All right, speaking of that, with more Golden Knights coverage here, we are going to bring in our good friend, Jesus Lopez, who does a fantastic job, as we know, on the Golden Knights radio network on the Spanish side. And this is what it sounded like if you were listening to Jesus. Atrapadas espectaculares. Cae el bote en el círculo izquierdo. Lo tiene el equipo de Vegas Golden Knights. Vamos a ver si viene el disparo. Brady McNabb en la línea neutral. El disparo se quebró el bastón de Shea Theodore. Ahí lo tiene Jack Hay con el disparo. Lo suelta. ¡Gol! ¡Gol! Queda claro. Y lo vuelven a firmar con un 7 por 1 los Vegas Golden Knights. Ahí está entonces, señores. Apúntale uno más. Y este fue de Barbashev, si no me equivoco, Berber Castro. Lo tiene nuevamente Reinhardt jugando sobre la línea Verhagi al costado izquierdo. 6 contra 5, señores. No hay portero. Lo tiene nuevamente Stone. Y vuelve a pasar. Final del Castro. Para Mastro, un hat-trick en la final del Castro. Increíble. Lo tiene el equipo de los Vegas Golden Knights. Vamos a ver si viene el disparo. Ahí está Brian McNabb Why did I feel that I was like listening to the World Cup there? I love it. Let me get it <laughs> myself. Go! <Goal! laughs> 
I like to go, 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 go. Jesus Lopez, what's going on? I, one thing I just learned just now, hat trick is universal. Huh? You, it's not like you said hat trick in English. Is that true? Yes, it is. But yeah, that's why it's called in Spanish even, you know, for the World Cup and uh, champions in Europe. Yeah, hat trick. Oh, that's very yeah, nice. So it was, it, was, it was an amazing experience, yes. It was, uh, you know, I believe they filled up like uh, 15 or 18 cars, you know, with hats. Uh, from uh, all over the levels yeah, the Timor Arena. It was an amazing, amazing, amazing game. And I was uh, just uh, blessed, you know, with the opportunity of being there. But above all, you know, lifting up that cup, to me, meant a lot. <laughs> I know, I know you got to go on the ice afterwards. I saw that. It's so beautiful. And I even saw you give the, uh, the cup a kiss, which I was very impressed with. Because, again, I mean, you know the routine, my friend. Whether it's a World Cup, a Stanley Cup, or any type of cup, I mean, you, you lift it up, uh, you hoist it, and, and you kiss it. Now, what'd that feel like to you? It looked like to me that you were like pumping iron in the gym. And I know you, man. You got some <laughs> guns. I mean, you've worked out in the boxing <laughs> gym. I mean, I bet that was nothing for you to, to lift, right? To hoist is a piece of cake. Well, no, the thing is, <laughs> How the thing is that I was, I was so nervous, to tell you the truth, because I was looking who was carrying the cup, you know, and just waiting for that opportunity. So uh, when this guy was holding the cup, he turns around, looked at me, and just gave it to me. And I was like, yeah, let's do this, you know. <laughs> so that was the moment that I was waiting for a long time, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, first thing I did, TC, I just wanted to make sure that I was standing up, you know, properly so I wouldn't slip or anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then I waited because I, I took it down a little bit. I waited, and I go, yeah, I got this, you know, because what I wanted to do is to scream with the cup on top of me. And that's what I say, you know. Vegas Golden Knights Campeones at La Copa Stanley just yelling to the top of my lungs with the cup up. And, uh, yeah, it was a magical moment, a magical moment. And, and, and uh, I don't know, it's uh, um, the compensation of all of the things that we live through the season. And uh, thank God I learned a lot because traveling with the team, you know, being next to Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, Dave, Shane, uh, Darren Millard, I mean, those guys are amazing. So, you get the opportunity to, to, to learn, but mostly, you know, we spoke when I was in Canada in one of the um, one of the rounds. Um, I learned a lot about the roots on uh, how the passion evolved in these beautiful sports and what it means. Uh, this uh, beautiful sport and what it means for Canadians, and and uh, I just, I it's like I got it. You know, I know why the passion is so so big. And uh, it's three hours of uh, adrenaline to begin with, but not only that, you know, the history behind it and how some of the games, some of the finals defined identity of, identity of some of the cities in Canada. And, and, uh, and I got a very tricky question with one of the radio stations over there, and they say that if uh, the um, Hispanics are uh, familiar with the logo on, on our city, and I go tell them that to begin with, for the Hispanics, this is not a logo. This is a shield that protects our city. Mm-hmm. And this is an ethnical thing. You know, the, the fact that, you know, uh, hockey is played more in North is because it's where naturally you got eyes. But look where the final is being played right now. You know, it's the, the state of Nevada, you know, the hottest city in, in the United States against the most tropical state, Florida. And we're playing for the final. You know, we're, we're, uh, Looking to uh, to uh, gain the the cup, the Stanley Cup. So 
as I said, it's not, it's not an ethnical thing. It's not a, you know, a, no one is going to take away the sense of belonging um, for the passion of the Vegas Golden Knights because of that magical connection that this team made after October the 1st. So that's why I said it's a shield, and it got the whole city together. And it doesn't matter if you speak Spanish, Chinese, or, or you're Ethiopian, African, whatever. In this city, Vegas Golden Knights means only one thing. We are Vegas strong. And that's what gave us identity at that very moment when Derek Angeland said those, uh, those words. Since then, you know, I love the city more than, than everything. And I'm really proud of being from here, Martin. Yeah. And who would have thought? I mean, like you said, when we go back to 2016, 2017, you know, when Bill Foley said, hey, we're bringing hockey to Las Vegas. I mean, there were a lot of skeptics out there that said, well, this isn't going to work. And, you know, I, I remember you back in those days. I mean, you weren't calling hockey. I mean, you know, we were doing our thing in the same building and radio stations and we would go to boxing matches together and we were doing this and that. And all of a sudden hockey, are, are you kidding me? And then lo and behold, you get the opportunity. All right. Jesus Lopez, who didn't honestly didn't know anything about hockey. Right. And they said, no, I did not. you're, no. you're going to be the guy because we want to have a Spanish broadcast and you were selected to do that. And you had to teach yourself the game. I mean, here is a Mexican native who is here in the United States, a uh, great sports enthusiast that you are, but now you are calling hockey. And it's no different than the fans here who really eh, maybe didn't grow up watching hockey, but they said, we'll give this, give this thing a try and give it a shot. And they fell in love with it. And then you fell in love with it, but you were kind of forced to fall in love with it as well to, te- am- to, to teach yourself the game. And look now. Jesus, as you go back now, we're going back with six, seven years where well, now you've been uh, calling, calling these games and look where it's led to you. You've had the finer appreciation, not only for the sport of hockey, but for the Golden Knights. But like you said, the city and the state as well. I mean, it is an amazing story. Well, uh, now that my kids are able to talk about it plainly, I'm going to tell you this that I've never told you before, uh, TC. The reason why I'm here in the United States. Uh, my son called me once and he said, you know what, Dad, I need, a, I need an interview for one of my finals at UNLV. He graduated five months ago at UNLV. And, uh, and I go, yeah, w- w- what do you need? I need an interview. And then I asked my son, uh, okay, who, who do you want to interview? I thought that he was going to ask me to hook him up with some of the players for the Vegas Open Eyes or something, you know. And he says, I want to interview you. And I go, me, what do you, well, what do you want to talk about? And listen to this, Dizzy. He never spoke about it for 12 years. Never. And, uh, and I, t- and I, and I asked my son, what do you want to talk about, son? And he says, I want to talk about what happens in Mexico to us. What happened to Mexico? What happened to us in Mexico? Now, are you, are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Are you sure you want to talk about this? Yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, TC, uh, that, uh, my family was targeted by one of the cartels in 2011. I never spoke about this. And uh, now I can open, you know, I can talk widely because my kids can handle it. And uh, they tried to kidnap my daughter twice. My daughter was very close to give up my son to one of the cartels in order not, uh, in order for the cartel not to kill my wife. And uh, we had a really rough in 2010, 2011. Really, really rough. And uh, when they tried to take my daughter away for the second time is when I decided to leave everything behind in our business. My family has been in the pizza business in Mexico for 45 years. That's what I know best. You know, my hands are smelling still like pizza sauce. 
So uh, I decided to come over here because uh, I was doing a TV show uh, for cable system because they will give me uh, a quid pro quo uh, advertising for the pizza places for free, and I was on the TV show. And uh, I came to a convention just for the fun of it to Las Vegas, and I met some people from ESPN. And uh, that's how I uh, got hooked up uh, with the people that I know here at the very first beginning. And then, you know, I just kept my eyes open with the opportunities. And when I heard Mr. Bill Foley, you know, working for Lotus Broadcasting already, I heard Mr. Bill Foley saying that he was going to, you know, get the Hispanics involved. And that's why he partnership with Lotus, because uh, he had also been at Lotus Broadcasting, has also Spanish station sports. And uh, I just took the chance, you know, walking to the edit base and start recording promos. And, and I got the opportunity. And now I, I feel like I own a lot to the things that my kids have achieved uh, through the things that I do for the Vegas Golden Knights and Lotus Broadcasting. And, 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 uh, and then, you know, of course, that I always had the support from Tony Bonici and Adam Marsh. So uh, support was never a problem. I was just, the problem was to get familiarized with the game. So I had the best on my side. I have Dan Duba, Gary Lawless, uh, Dave, Gocha. Uh, uh, All of them are always willing uh, to teach me on anything that I ask. It is an amazing institution, the Vegas Golden Knights, because first of all, it's human. You know, the, the, the treat, the treat uh, among the, the, the broadcasters is amazing. You know, there's an enormous amount of chemistry among Shane and Dave and Gary and, and Dan. And, and, uh, and the inclusion, you know, with a, with a guy that speaks Spanish, uh, that talks hockey in Spanish, it's, it's really, really nice. So that is the reason why I'm in the United States, uh, TC. Now you know. You know, I, it wasn't my plan to come back because I lived in the United States before. I lived in Alaska for four years. But then I went back to Mexico. Our business grew. And all of a sudden, this cartel decided that you are that your, lo- your life is not longer yours. Mm. So uh, that's why I came. And I kept my eyes open just trying to get, you know, an opportunity that will provide me with the, with the chance to give my kids uh, their life back the way they knew it. And, and, uh, and that, was a, that was the journey on, on what I do. So when I call the goal, when I, when I call the games uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights TV, I just leave all of my heart and my soul, you know, on the mic. Because when I'm, uh, when I'm yelling those goal calls, I don't know, uh, TC, but it seems like I'm yelling freedom, you know. Uh, like I'm yelling, you know, thanks for the opportunity of being alive still. Because for quite a, for five years, I couldn't go back to Mexico. Um, because I knew what was going to happen. If I would have gone back, uh, back then, then they will kill me because I didn't, I didn't give them, I didn't give them the money that they were asking for, my, um, to leave me alone. But then they got killed, you know, and, and it was a long story, but, uh, that's the story behind what I do, uh, TC, and that's why I enjoy it so much. Probably that's the reason why I yell so hard. I don't know, but but I just really enjoy it, and and just the fact that being all of the city uh, together, and what we saw outside the T-Mobile Arena when we won the cup, what we saw on uh, every single bar, you know, casino, whatever, that sense of identity. It's like I believe, you know, people from Madrid. That's what they feel when they're wearing the Real Madrid. Sure, you know what I mean, or the city in Manchester. 
sense of belonging, and that's really, really hard to achieve. You know, like like for a team, for an institution. But when you wear, when you wear the Vegas Golden Knights uh, uh, hat or jersey, or whatever, you are wearing those words. We are Vegas strong, and this is a very special feeling, Tissy. What can I say? Jesus, you yeah. had an amazing story. Uh, it goes from sadness to the ultimate joy, and, yeah. and that explains a lot about uh, your passion. You've always have talked about your gratefulness and your love for the opportunity for this job, probably more so than anybody else. And any of us that have these opportunities, whether it's hosting a show or like you and me who get a chance to work for a team and broadcast games, we should be ever grateful. But in your situation, my friend, especially, and I applaud you, uh, that is something that um, it would be very hard for any individual no matter what they do for a living or whoever they are to share that story that you just shared with us. I mean, talking about, you know, having family kidnapped and, and have a cartel after you and threatening your life. I mean, that is uh, kudos to you for persevering, getting through that and, and being able to share that with not only me, but, but our listeners and, I know that's not an easy thing to do, and you've probably been keeping. I know you've been keeping that inside to a lot of people for a long, long time. So um, I'm just so happy for you. I've always told you, my friend, I'm happy for you. Uh, and like you, you said, know, the inclusion too of the Golden Knights and all of the, your colleagues, you know, opening them their hands and their arms and their doors to help you, you know, learn the sport uh, and open it up to a Spanish broadcaster. And you know, we all have our outlets. And like you said, I can relate to what you're talking about. This is your outlet. So when you're screaming goal and you're living this celebration, you are letting out frustration and then joy as well, too. So I understand. I appreciate it, my friend. And thank you for sharing that. You know what, uh, TC? I was lucky enough to uh, uh, to meet uh, Tony Bonici because uh, I never spoke about this until, you know, now I'm uh, my kids are okay with me uh, talking about this. But when I met Tony Bonici, he's a big responsible of me acquiring the uh, American citizenship and and uh, and helping my kids. And, and then, you know, my son graduated at UOD. Um You know, I grew up with a father, the kind of father that always talks about um, thinking uh, the right way. And uh, I believe that if you go to bed and you can go to sleep right away, you wake up and you're happy to be alive. I think that is success. You know, that is success. And and uh, to me, I take you only you know day by day, enjoying it. And as I said, I'm lucky enough because they never said a word about what happened to me. And I'm talking about you know Tony Bonici, uh, Jesse Leeds, Natalie Marsh. They never said anything. They knew everything, and they were always you know willing to help on any way they could. So I'm really grateful for uh, I mean the way they helped me to go through this, but um, it's long gone, but it, that's, that's, that's how I end up over here. That is the main thing. That's, that's why I came back to the States. I never thought that I would come back. Leaving the house that you built from the ground behind, you know, and, and, and everything that you always dreamed of, and you say, okay, I have my life the way I want it. And all of a sudden, you got a call saying, hey, you don't cooperate, you're going to be dead. And that's, that's uh, I was like, I was really mad, you know, uh, 
with life like like this is not fair. I worked very hard in Alaska. I worked very hard to get where I am, and all of a sudden you're always looking for your kids. And and uh, but as I said, you never know what next day is going to happen. So just keep the eyes open. And uh, what happened to me through hockey, um, I'm just really grateful. And if and, and if this this ends today, TZ Martin, believe me, my friend, I'm grateful. Because of everything that I've seen, uh, the things that I, you know, now my kids are flying by themselves. My daughter went back to Mexico. She became a psychologist, and she's working here in Las Vegas. She's doing amazing. And, you know, uh, I'm sure you remember uh, Diane Sheehan, right? D. Yes, yes um, absolutely. Well, Diane, uh, when she saw me yesterday, she was very excited. You know, congratulations. But, you know, I told her, look, at the end, the only thing that is really positive in my life, personally, is that my kids can see in their father a positive person. That's it. That, that, that is what really, really matters at the end. And that, you know, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really happy about that, uh, TC. You know, and uh, all of the excitement in the ring, all of the passion that you deliver, you know, play by play, uh, that hot trick with uh, 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 Mark Stone on the final and and uh, seeing uh, Jonathan Marches all lifting up um, the, the the trophy, uh, PC. That's a mixture of things that make just life wonderful, you know. And uh, in between your personal life and enjoying this kind of moments, man, it doesn't get any better than this. And I'm really grateful to God. And as I said, if it ends today, I'm more than happy. But look, this is this is the kind of job where I meet people like yourself. You know, we're always. We're always happy when we see each other. We talk about, you know, boxing, soccer, uh, hockey, you name it. I mean, and it's it's a brand new life. Yeah, well, well put, my friend. Uh, you're you're a great man, a great human being. You do a fantastic job. And uh, again, you know, teaching yourself and those around you, teaching you hockey in the game, uh, which has now turned into another one of your passions. Uh, it is fantastic. It's Jesus Lopez on the uh, the Spanish call on the Golden Knights Radio Network. And and I need a promise from you, my friend. Okay, here's what I really right. need. I need some of that pizza. I mean, you're talking about the pizza maker. You and your hands, Mexico pizza. I didn't even know this. You're making me some pizza. That's what I need, my okay. friend. Let's go. <laughs> okay, this is this is the story behind it because you know I went I went to Alaska just to capitalize a little bit, go back and make the the business grow. But this is what happened. I ended up in a Mexican restaurant in Alaska, in the island of Unalaska. I mean, I went to Dutch Harbor. I don't know if you ever seen the show Deadly Sketch. I lived there in that island for four years. But there was a restaurant, and I met this guy that he was making the Napolitan pizza, you know, the one that you throw with your hands on top above you and, and a very good recipe. Uh-huh. And I said to myself, if I learn how to make that kind of pizza, I go back to Mexico and I forget about the United States for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, so we went, and we went from three stores to 38 stores, and and uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, these bad things happen. But that's how I learned it because I was I was looking to this Greek guy. His name is Argyros Argyropoulos. And he was throwing the pizza up and everything, and I was just watching, you know, how the way he was working on the table, and the pizza sauce smelled so good and everything. And I was like, I I need to get a job, you know, and learn how to do that. So I started to, you know, I started to to uh, wash um, as a dishwasher with him, and I quit. A $45 per hour job because I wanted to learn how to do that. So I was going to get paid $15 an hour, right? But I wanted to learn. So 
this one time he went to New Zealand with his Greek friends, and they are on this. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to say it in English. Regatta, you know, when they raise those catamarans. Um, but, well, it's, it's a group of sailors, and it's a, it's, it's a race uh, from uh, New Zealand to Australia. And uh, the Greeks, you know, they they feel like they're the gods on 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 the sea, so <laughs> they have a big passion for that. So he went away to New Zealand for a couple of weeks, uh, and uh, because of the bad weather, they got stuck in uh, Singapore, coming back to the United States. So I start making the dough and everything on my own, you know, pizza sauce and dough. Because I, at that time, I always, I mean, I was always watching him how he made the dough and the pizza sauce. So when he came back, he said, Are you, do you still have a pizza dough? And I go, no, I was making it myself. I, and I finished it up like three years, days ago. Who thought you? And I told him, look, my family is in the pizza business. But just by watching you, I didn't want to stop selling pizza to our customers, and I started making the dough myself. Let me see it. And he was really mad at that point. So when he saw the dough and the, the pizza sauce was perfect and everything, then he he taught me exactly, I mean, the, the right way how to do it and all of his secrets. And we became very good friends until today. Argyros Argyropoulos, he lives in Everett in Washington. And uh, so that's the story behind yeah. the, the, the pizza. I went back to Mexico and we grew. Because, yeah, the recipe is really good. There it is. So. My, my, my Mexican <laughs> pizza eating hockey friend. I love you, man. Jesus, I appreciate <laughs> it, brother. Uh, and, and continue enjoying reveling and everything. Enjoy the parade on Saturday, my friend. And I look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Congratulations. And again, a job well done, a season well done, a career well done. Thank you very much. Thank you, TC. And uh, thank you to all of, the, all of the audience that is always there, you know, cheering and even people that comes to me and says, you know what? I wish I could understand Spanish. <laughs> You're broadcasting. So that makes you feel really good. It's very special. So thank you very much. You got it, brother. Take care. There right. he is. Jesus Lopez, the Spanish voice of the Golden Knights. Escucha usted. Esto es la celebración. El equipo de los Vegas Golden Knights está ganando la Copa Stanley. Solamente cinco segundos. Cuatro, tres, dos, uno. Somos campeones, señores. La Copa Stanley es de las Vegas. Somos campeones. Este equipo está haciendo historia. Un equipo que le quitará. This is Showtime Sean Porter. You know I'm tuning into the TC Martin Show. Ah, uh, yes, it's a been a wild one here in the last 48 hours here in Vegas. The celebration continues with the Golden Knights. You heard from Jonathan Marcheseau. Jesus Lopez and his amazing story. And again, you miss any part of the show, go to the website. Check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. The interviews and, of course, the podcasts of today's show or any of the others. All right. Uh, we're going to talk a little U.S. Open right now. And we got some time to talk to our golf guru himself, the fine PGA Tour producer extraordinaire and uh, L.A. Open. I mean, the Los Angeles Country Club, where the U.S. Open is right now. Let's talk to our good friend, Scott Savloff. What is going on, my friend? Uh, TC, good hearing from you, man. Good hearing. Ho- hope from you, you're man. well. Uh, more than well, my friend. Just between a lot of traveling and uh, and a myriad of uh, sporting events and championships, uh, we're doing it, man. We're doing it here in Vegas. Well, that is good. I, I want to tell you, our seven foot friend at the Walgreens. Before we get to U.S. Open, yes. just as relevant is the Walgreens Charity Classic. 
No salsa dancing this year. We had rain. And our seven-foot friend, as much as he tells me that I'm soft, quit after four holes. Quit after four holes? Wait, wait what, is, what is this? Uh, and you know what? Exactly. I was going to have him on today. And again, I wish, uh, you know, again, I, I was going to bring this up with you anyway, because I knew that you guys were back there. You had the Walgreens you know, tournament that you're involved with. He was golfing. And because he was, I invited him to come to a golf event that I was hosting in Sacramento. And he goes, no, that's the same time as, uh, as, as the Walgreens. So I've been wanting to hear about what happened. But I had no idea that he was going to punk out after four. Are, are you kidding me? Yeah, and he was curled up. I was trying to find one of those dog beds, you know, the big dog beds, so he could curl up right next to the fireplace. But I couldn't find the big bed. So he went for a chair, and he, he hung his little USF jacket and his hat and all that stuff right next to the fire. And he was there all day. <laughs> Everybody else was out. You know, we had all these people, uh, uh, a great celebrity field, and DQ Bill Cartwright. Wow. Just saying, DQ. I I don't know what to say here. All all I know is I I, I think that this segment is going to take an entire different turn. I wanted to talk with you, and I've been wanting to talk with you about the PGA purchasing live. I mean, what a hot topic that's been. I've been gone for the last two weeks, Scott, and I said, okay, when I get you back, I'm going to talk... Talk, have you on? It's U.S. Open. Uh, all of this stuff. There's not even enough time to talk with you about all of this. But I have got to table that. You and I, I have got to table that because what is more pressing is this story with you and the seven footer in Chicago. I think. I mean, that's that's what I need to talk about. We got to table, you know, Monahan and the PGA and everything else. But you know, maybe, well, I, well, I don't. I, I don't know. I was going to bring the seven footer on, but I don't, I only think I'm going to I'm going to go with the seven footer right now. I'm so disgusted. I think what you should say to him candidly <laughs> is saying what? Say what? Just what you should say to him. Okay. What? what you tell me what I, I should say to him. Go ahead. I know you like playing golf, but it's usually eighteen holes. It's not three. <laughs> And, and, that's, that's and, what we do. And do, what do you think he would say? What would he say in that response? Uh, it was raining. Okay, seven footer. Respond to that. Well, you guys, I tell you, this must be a slow news day. <laughs> We're going to talk about my golf game, and I'll just say that is that for for a guy who's an ex basketball player. Ex coach, it's raining. Two things could happen: you can get sick, or you can get injured, or you can go to the clubhouse and have a nice tasty drink. Now, I opted for the tasty beverage. Yeah. Okay. I. I, I so I, I. I don't know what the problem is. Uh, I, I, I wasn't listening to it. But, well, but, but, but look, I'm sure. I, I was just com- I was just commenting. There there are seven DQ teams. Mm-hmm. I think the first one in the clubhouse was a, was a large fella. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't the first one in there. Well, I'll, I'll say that. Listen, but 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 this but this is what I would say is that if I'm the first one there, 
I'm really happy. So I'm, so let's put, let's look at it this way. I'm smart enough to know to, to get out of the ring. So yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I, I believe well, I believe what Scott was saying was you were curling up like a dog. I mean, here's a five-time NBA champion curling up like a dog. I, I don't think we need to. You know, I'm not going to play Maury Povich. I'm not going to play Jerry Springer. I'm not going to play referee. You know, I'm not going to play. Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Garrettson or whoever. You know, it is. I'm not going to get in the middle of this, you guys. I don't know. I, I understand, but I, I can see both sides. I can see you know Savlov being you know uh, upset and you know disappointed. But seven footer, I'm with you. I'm not going to play in the rain. And why not? And go get a cigar while you're at it. While you're having the tasty beverage. Live it up. Well, here's my point. Hang on a second, Scott. Hang on, hang on, hang on. For, for one thing, Scott and I don't have a problem. So I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. And and you 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 don't you say you don't want to get in the middle of it, but of course you do. <laughs> so uh, I would say, well, here here's why I didn't bring it up. I, I mean, Mister Mister PGA Billy, brought it up, not me. Here's TC's issue. We haven't said that Steph Curry was playing. Yes. Then he would have been excited. <laughs> Listen, uh, this is a very busy sports day. And, and I, was, yeah. I, was, I, I had PGA. I had Live on my mind. I had U.S. Open on my uh-huh. mind. And Scott brings this up. I mean, wait a minute. And I know that you, know, you were talking about coming on today. So I said, well, you just got to get the other side of the story. So uh, there you go, man. I, you know, I'm... Well. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you guys get back to golf. And, of course, you said this is a big sports day. And, of course, my golf fits in perfect with that. Yeah. So we'll just, we'll just go from there. But I would say this. Scott did a great job at the event. We had a great time. Saw some great teammates uh, at the event. Scott can tell you about it. So um, my my time there on the course was excellent. Uh, all three holes, very good. Your 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 nineteen minutes on the on the uh, the course is great. That's that's cool. All right, brother. Uh, yeah, I, I will I will say the the evening before some great stories were being exchanged between Bill and Will Purdue, two very good uh, uh, teammates. Well, I know Bill was looking forward to that. I mean, being there with uh, you know some great talent, his teammates and and other uh, yeah. NBA colleagues. I know he was excited about that. So, all right, yeah, a couple of really nice guys there. I, I I hadn't seen Will in a long time, and uh, he actually tried to do a Bill imitation. Oh, jeez! And I was told it was really good, and it's it's really not. <laughs> Just commenting, it was not a good imitation. I was like disappointed. Hey, I want to know this. Did did Tony Kukoc make an appearance? He did. Okay. All right. Do we got it? Uh... And he's and he's such a good golfer. It's it's astounding how he's transitioned from basketball and really plays a lot of golf. And it's remarkable for a guy his size to be that smooth and that good. Now, would Kukoc's impersonation of the seven footer be a little bit better than Will Purdue's? Probably in his, you know, native tongue, yeah. but it, it's hard to decipher that. Okay. All right, Big Bill. Uh, we'll let you get back to whatever you're doing. Your R and R. You know, are you still in Chicago, by the way, or did you make it back to SF? Um, I am in Chicago. I'm in Palatine right now. Okay. All right. Is there a froggy? Froggy's on the horizon this evening. 
I've, I've already been at Froggy's. Uh, I'll probably get the Froggy's again tomorrow. Okay. There you go, my friend. All right. And, and, and by the way, TC, uh, Billy hosted us there on uh, Saturday night for an amazing uh, meal again. Always uh, Terry in the kitchen does a hell of a job. Outstanding. There you go. Yep. There you go. That's what I like yep. to hear. Scott, I hope you had the French onion soup. That's all I care about. <laughs> I have my beef medallions always. <laughs> oh, yes. There it is. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, Bill, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you, um, if not tomorrow, next week, because I, I got to get your take. I don't know, you know, between the golf and, and going to Froggies and all your other hot spots there, I don't know if you got a chance to watch it. You know any of the NBA finals, but we we still got to talk about that as well too. So let's uh, let's reconvene on that. And and TC, my my pleasure uh, chatting about live and PJ tour whenever you want. Yeah, we're gonna have to table that, but I definitely want to talk to you about that. All right, appreciate the, the seven footer and Scott. Uh, real quick, give us just give us a prediction on who's gonna win the U.S. Open. Who is it? Who's your pick? Uh I'm actually going with the current leader for his first major, Xander Shoffley. Wow. Okay. I know you liked him in the in the PGA as well too. So. Yeah, playing well. It it requires you to be a straight hitter at this golf course. Anything off the fairway problem in the fairway is uh, is demanded here. Another good one uh, again is one of the live guys, Smith. Always seems to rise to the occasion and a great straight hitter. Now, being a Southern California guy, I would imagine you got plenty of LA Country Club stories, don't you? I do. Yeah. All right. You got a quick one for us? Give me a good one. Uh, I'm on a hole. And this golf course, mind you, is not easy for amateurs. It's a great walk, not easy for amateurs. And I see it, 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 and it's really the USC hangout. Mm-hmm. That, that's what the alum, that's really the core membership, are USC alums. And I'm out there, and I'm not a USC alum. And I see a guy in an SC hat, tall fella, on the next tee. And uh, the guys I'm with, the members, they, you know, are just talking trash to them. Everybody talks their hat, you know, takes their hat off and go over to their tee box when we finish our putting. And it's Will Ferrell. Of course, and, USC, yeah. Yeah, and you couldn't find a more cordial, polite guy on a golf course than Will Ferrell. How about that? He he takes the hat off like he's in a match, asking everybody the name, and just could not be any more polite and nice. Look at this. That, that's the yeah. Yeah. See, we got we got we got we got a polite story. I mean, a lot of times with, with Scott, we got some some drunken John Daly stories, and you know, you know, that I have a lot. Yeah, I know. That, that's a change of pace for you. That's no, good. but there's it, it at at LACC. It it's a good drinking club. <laughs> It certainly is. There, there are more cocktails than food there. Well, the seven, but, but it's seven all about would like that golf. too. There you go. All right, my friend. Let's reconvene on Monday with a recap. And I want, I do want to uh, talk more about the PG and the Live thing. Let's book Monday for you, okay? Sounds awesome. Thanks, brother. You take care, TC. Keep hearing your voice. There you go. <laughs> Scott Savloff, Bill Cartwright. You never know who's going to show up on the show. Yeah.
Plain and simple. Chris Matthews is going to join us from News 8. We come back as we talk more Golden Knights. Scott Spreitzer is going to join us as uh, we handicap uh, some baseball and talk about uh, what took place at the sports books for the Stanley Cup Finals and the NBA Finals as well. Thunderous Thursday, baby. Let's take a little trip. Take a little trip. Take a little trip with me. Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Aces with love stop. Picked up by Gray. She can go coast to coast. There's three. There's two. She's going to launch from three. Chelsea Gray for three. The TC Martin Show. Jackie's got it. Ace's got numbers three on two. To Plum for three. KP, ring it up. Boom, shaka, waka, waka, boom. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. TC Martin. To Bay. She's open for three. She sees it. She's got the bucket. One, two, three times for Bay Bay. TC Martin. And you got that right. Money won't change it. Raquana. Bay Bay Williams. This is the greatest show. The ball is in the air. The Las Vegas Aces have won their very first WNBA championship. The doctor is now here. Well, we go back to basketball. Basketball to hockey, back to basketball, throwing some baseball. There we go. Congratulations again to the Vegas Golden Knights for their championship. And the Aces, yep, the Aces and the Knights championships, nine months apart. Parades, nine months apart. And we all have it here for you. Yes, we do. The... Ace is back in action tonight at 7 o'clock over at the Michelob Ultra Arena at uh, the Mandalay Bay as we get ready uh, for that tonight. Uh, pre-game show 6.30. You can join me down the dial if you're not going to be going to the game. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. Uh, Becky Hammond, of course, join me during the pre-game show, of course. And then we'll tip it off 7 o'clock. Aces and the Seattle Storm, definitely uh, a different Seattle Storm team that you're going to see tonight. Minus Brianna Stewart and minus Sue Bird. Only three returning starters. But it should be uh, a great night to... Uh, for the Aces, 8-1, and one, best record in the WNBA right now, and it is Pride Night as well. So uh, if you don't have your tickets, uh, get them for tonight. Again, 7 o'clock tip, tip off. You can get your tickets tickets at access.com. That's AXS.com. All right, as we uh, continue on here, we are going to talk more Golden Knights here in hour number two with our good friend uh, Chris uh, Matthews uh, from News 8. Uh, he will join us. Scott Spritzer will also join us, and we'll talk to Scott uh, from the handicapping aspect. As you know, Scott, uh, our handicapper extraordinaire, I should say one of our handicapper extraordinaires, will uh, be joining us here this hour. And then tomorrow, we are back at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook as uh, we get ready for our Friday show, as you know, on the road each and every Friday. Uh, Marco D'Angelo will join me uh, along with uh, um, Jay Cornegay and, of course, John Murray, our good friends over at the Superbook inside the Westgate Las Vegas. But we continue on 
talking about the Golden Knights and uh, the celebration continues to ensue and it will continue on uh, until Saturday when the the parade route has been set. We talked a little bit about that yesterday at 7 p.m. It will be uh, fantastic. And like I mentioned, uh, the second parade, the second championship parade that we've had here in Las Vegas on the Las Vegas Strip in the last nine months. Uh, the Aces and now the Golden Knights will get their shot at it. So uh, looking forward to that. All right. Let's talk to our good friend Chris Matthews over at News 8, the fine sports director there, of course, who covers it all Las Vegas, and he's been a very busy man, as we know. Chris, what's going on, my friend? <laughs> hey, how you doing? Thank you very much for having me on. This is a great – how great is this weekend right here? you got uh, you got the Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup championship. Tonight you have USA and Mexico oh, on the yes. pitch over at Allegiant Stadium. Okay. You also got the Aces, and then tomorrow you get – you kind of catch your breath and you get ready for the big parade on Saturday. And then on Sunday, you got the, uh, the final, the championship of the uh, CONCACAF. This is an amazing city. Oh, oh, and by the way, the A's deal was approved. So this thing, this, this city is unbelievably just the best. I mean, we are so blessed and fortunate to live and live here in Las Vegas. And boy, I love every minute of it. You know, Chris, I mean, you've been here uh, a, a long time as, as well as myself, but you, how about those? Days? Let's just go back. I don't, we don't need to go way, way back to the time machine, but let's just go back. Let's say maybe eight, 10 years ago. What would your uh, sports cast for basically June the 15th be like, you know, say eight to 10 years ago compared to today, right? Oh, yeah, it would have been funny. It would have been like uh, the Aviators are playing tonight. <laughs> UNLV uh, uh, is getting ready for its football uh, camp in another month. And then, oh, and, and there's going to be a fight coming up in three weeks. And what else would we have done? We would have done something like, oh, and uh, the summer league is three years or four years into it. And we got eight teams, you know, or whatever like that. It's just right. crazy how things have changed. Yeah, but just on a typical day, like say today, when you're, <laughs> you know, weeks away from a lot of those events, who knows what you you just might be just playing baseball highlights or something else. I mean, again, right? It's like, hey, it could be a slow news day here in the middle of the week, and but no, like you said, it's a Thursday. We're talking about Stanley Cup. We're talking about Concaf. We're talking about the World Champion Aces. Yeah, A's coming here. Just it is amazing. It's fantastic, and I think I don't know. Uh, you know, who's assigning who or where you're going to be at here, you know, tonight, the next couple of days. Uh, hopefully you got enough staff to cover all this. I uh, know it's crazy. You, you need, guy, you need to have three, four, five people anymore. You need to have photographers to get to all these different things. It is absolutely cr- Oh, oh, and oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention that on Friday night at the uh, Dollar Loan Center, it's the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame yes. where you've got Connor Fields going in and Lon Kruger, Karen White, and the Speedway. I mean, it's just—it's crazy. There is something going on every single night. No question. Chris Matthews joins us uh, from News Eight. All right, Chris, um, you're going to have a very special uh, guest tonight. Broadcast. Um, it's 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 six thirty tonight. Uh, News Eight, and I want you to talk about it. It's going to be Bill Foley, and, and the reason why—not just—I love having you on, but we don't get a chance to do it often enough. But I really wanted to promote this for you tonight as well too because i want people to tune in because you know we all know bill foley and i consider myself to have a very good relationship with him but it's nothing 
like you have had with him over the years and nothing like um, Brian Blessing, who did the show before me here uh, on the station. May he rest in peace. And Bill was very close to Brian. Bill was very close to you. And I felt fortunate enough that, I, you know, I thought, hey, I was one of the first guys that, that had, you know, uh, in, uh, had Bill on, you know, years ago when they were first here. And I just always uh, enjoy talking with him and seeing him. But, you know, your story is really great and it's really deep. And if you don't mind, I really would like for you to kind of, you know, give our listeners how it all started for you. Because I mentioned yesterday, uh, and it is even on my website uh, with the article we wrote, uh, you know, talking about the Golden Knights celebration. I still remember the date, November 22nd. 2016, we were all gathered in the Toshiba Plaza awaiting for Bill Foley to address everyone on what the team name is going to be as the Vegas Golden Knights, because we all didn't know, didn't know colors, really didn't know anything. There were rumors out there. And you, my friend, were the MC. You were hosting that night. You had the privilege. And that was because you had an existing relationship with Bill Foley. And you're going to talk about this tonight, I know, when you're going to have an expanded sports cast. So talk about that and the first time you got a chance to meet Bill Foley. Okay, yeah, thank you very much, uh, TC. I really appreciate that. And, and yeah, don't forget tonight, 6.30 on 8 News Now, Channel 8, we are actually devoting the entire half hour to, uh, we're blowing out the newscast, we're bringing Bill in, we're going to talk about everything from the beginning to the end of the championship, the, the host, uh, hoisting of the uh, the Stanley Cup trophy, and and really, it's just been such a remarkable run. And I know there were lots of friends and family members after that Stanley Cup win who had tears in their eyes because they remember how it all came to be and uh, and what happened from 2017 on. So, it, but, but it's so interesting. It was way back in, boy, the time gets away. I think it was 20, 2014 or 2015, um, there was an article that said there's a guy interested in in. Uh, bringing hockey to Las Vegas and nobody knew who William Foley was. And, and uh, so we thought kind of be kind of interesting to, to talk to this guy who nobody knows who actually wants to bring hockey to Las Vegas. And so the best decision our news director at the time ever did when I approached him and said, you know what, if I can set up an interview with this guy who wants to bring hockey here, can we go? It's up in, let's go to Kalispell, Montana and uh, talk to this gentleman about uh, his, his plans and his dreams to bring in hockey here. He said, you know, let's do it. So anyway, we, we, I called the, uh, I, I got a number. I called the secretary and I told her who I was and what I'd like to do. And would like to come up and actually talk to, uh, this Mr. Foley about his dreams of bringing hockey to Las Vegas. And I uh, said, well, let me, let me get hold of him and, and, uh, we'll get back to you. Well, it probably was like the next day. All of a sudden I get a call and uh, suddenly there's a, there's a voice on the other end and it said, hi, I'm Mr. Foley. I kind of get emotional. I'm sorry, guys, but I kind of get emotional because he was just the impressions that he left on my mind. He doesn't know me from Adam. Anyway, mm-hmm. he said, This is Mr. Foley. I said, Hey, Bill, I like, you know, hey, Mr. Foley. He said, Call me Bill. He always said, Call me Bill. Say, hey, Bill, um, I'd like to come up. If there's any possible way to come up and just do an interview on your, your plans, your, what you'd like to do here in Las Vegas. I you know, told him who I was and what we do. And yeah, come on up. It's like, Wow. So anyway, we jumped on a plane. We went up there. It was around the holidays. It was just after Christmas. It was, well, it was in the new year. So it was 2015 in the new year. And, uh, so anyway, we, we, you know, we jump on a plane. We get up there. A lot of snow. Be careful. You might have to get, you know, the, the biggest SUV you can get. We're having all those crazy storms that, uh, that, you know, we don't get very often. And here's the address and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, we get on a plane. We jump on. We go to Kalispell. 
we drive to Whitefish, and from Whitefish, we get on a two-lane road out, you know, driving along this big lake, and we finally get to this nice big uh, lodge, this big uh, lakeside lodge, and we, you know, we pull in, knock on the door, and there's Mr. Foley answers the door, and, hi, I'm Bill, I'm Chris Matthews, here's my photographer, Cash, and uh, come on in, and we come in, and we just talk, and now I'm interested in him, and he's just so, so friendly, so... Uh, just nice. He doesn't even know it from Adam. And we're talking about this and that. And finally, we set up and do some interviews. And he was kind of impressed how we could do all these things to get the story on and, and just how kind of how the whole television deal worked. And, and uh, so we do these interviews. And he says to us uh, at one point, um, oh, it was cool, too, because he just, I mean, he said, hey, you want to see some deer out here? And boom, boom, it was pictures all snowy. We're out in the middle of nowhere. And he bangs on this drum thing, and all these deer start showing up, and he's feeding the deer, and he has a nice German Shepherd that was just a great dog, just a terrific dog. And and um, so anyway, we're doing all this, and he says, uh, "What are you guys doing for dinner?" I said, "Well, we'll go drive back to Kalispell, and we'll grab some or Whitefish, and we'll grab something." He goes, "Oh, I got I, I I have the Italian restaurant there. We'll have it delivered out to us." Okay, so anyway, they they deliver some food out to us, and there wasn't enough Italian food. And Carol, his wife, says, let me make some spaghetti. I'll add to it. So she's making spaghetti, and we're sitting around this big wood table, this big dining table, and with his kids. One one son just got off the slope, and his daughter's there. We're eating dinner with this guy who we just met that day. And um, just so nice. The entire family, so impressed. Anyway, uh, then we eat, and we talk some more, do some more interviews. And where are you guys staying tonight? Now we'll drive back to uh, Whitefish or Kalispell and grab. Nope, I got these two cabins right here. Makes a phone call to whoever. Hey, can you get the two cabins ready for Chris and Cash? Oh, okay, so, yeah, you guys are right there. So we, you know, like 50 yards away. We walk over to these cabins, and we're staying there the night. Just, uh, you know, getting up the next morning and doing some more interviews and saying goodbye to Bill, and, and uh, off we go. And that was my first introduction to Mr. Bill Foley, who wanted to be called Bill, has the heart of gold, wanted to make this thing succeed at the time. Now, remember, this is two years before the team. He says, we're going to have a cup here in eight years. Now, that was before. Then he went to six yeah. uh, when we did it on the stage. But he, in fact, you'll hear that tonight. You'll hear Bill Foley say, we're, gonna, we're not, we're not going to be one of those middle-of-the-road teams. We're going to be, we're going to build a champion here. We're going to have a cup in eight years. And, and uh, and there's so much cool stuff tonight. I hope people can tune in because we're going to talk about everything from from the first experience, the first phone call to the uh, those who have been around will remember the ticket drive he had to put together because yeah. the NHL wanted to know uh, that the fans would be actually interested. They didn't want a bunch of casinos buying all these tickets, so they had to go to the residents and 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 put these ticket drives together. And he was he's talking about how he had 125 to 180 ticket requests every single day from the most expensive tickets to the cheapest tickets. And then Batman comes to town and he's impressed with what's going on here in Las Vegas. And then they had a founding, I don't know if you remember this, but they had a founding 50 uh, gathering. We were the only TV station yep. there. And you had uh, Jim Kelly and all these big wigs in Las Vegas who were trying to get their best friends to go out and find 50 other people who would be interested in buying tickets, not casinos, but residents of Las Vegas. And uh, that was pretty cool. They had a big cake up there, I remember. It was at the top of the Palms, the Maloops. They were heavily involved. The Maloops are actually, the, Gavin and Joe are actually the ones uh, who who introduced Bill Foley to the NHL. So Correct. they were involved yep. in that thing. And and uh, just, the, just the whole background, the whole story. And so they had the Founding 50. Then, of course, they needed the arena. Uh, Bill Foley has input on what they want to do at the arena. Uh, and then just uh, just how it's evolved from those first uh, thoughts of let's get a team, 
and he had a big vision of this thing is going to be successful to this week, winning the Stanley Cup and hoisting it, and just his dream and his prof- uh, his prof- prophetic uh, words coming true. Really, really cool. I hope people can tune in tonight. Yeah. So, I mean, a couple things on that. First and foremost, I mean, the generosity that uh, the Bill Foley extended you. I think that's just who he is. I mean, I think we've all yep. not we all, but you know, it just seems like you know, when you come across him, he is he has always been that guy that's been very nice. Uh, he'll give you the time and uh, is always engaging. But I mean, for him to do that, I mean, again, like you said, he didn't know you, really didn't know him, and to open up his home to you, I mean, that's a a, a tremendous story, and that's you know kind of where it all started. But, you know, he had this vision. You're right. And all of us, I think, at that point in time, and a lot of people, you know, fans in Las Vegas are going, okay, hockey in the desert, really? But, you know, when he was selling these season tickets, I remember the numbers like, oh, well, it's 12,000. It's, it's 14,000. And yeah. it was 16,000 before they even selected a player, you know, before the draft is like, wow, this thing is going to go. And I do remember that night, Chris, and like you do. I mean, yeah. you on stage and November 22nd, 2016, you know, when he said it. But yeah, you're right. He called it out to you, you know, first that this is going to happen. But, you know, tonight at 630, I mean, this is big because I don't know how you're able to do it, Chris. But, you know, I'm always saying I said this earlier in the show that I feel sorry for my TV brethren like yourself out there because you guys work so hard. You do so much, you know, prep for your 90 seconds or your two minutes than you get on a traditional <laughs> sports cast. How'd you get the news department to say, hey, man, we're blowing all this stuff off here. You're going to get you're almost getting a half hour. It's beautiful. Oh yeah, we get we get the whole six thirty to seven, uh, just talking straight hockey. You know, I, I think our station realizes how big this is. It's the Stanley Cup. It's Bill Foley. It's the owner who, and, and by the way, his background. You'll hear this tonight too. His background with that military background, a graduate of West Point. He the reason why he thought, hey, we're not going to be a mediocre team. We're going to rise and win championships because he said that's how I've always operated my businesses. I go for people who know me. You'll hear people who know me. Know that when I when I when I set my sights on something, we go get it, and that's what's happened. It's uh, and you know what? Yeah, and I will talk to you about some of the tough decisions that they had to make as an organization. You know, they uh, you know Mark Andre Fleury, Nate Schmidt, fan favorites, Ryan Reeves, some of these people that it was a tough, tough decision. Foley was very, very close to Mark Andre Fleury and didn't want that to happen. But you know, he, he turned it over to his uh, his brain trust and George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon, and, and those t- decisions are tough. We'll talk about that tonight. Some of those tough decisions, any regrets you might have. Remember when Max Pacioretty uh, left and went to uh, uh, Carolina? Remember uh, some, some of the parting things that he said? It's too much like a country club atmosphere out yep. in Las Vegas. You remember that? Yep. Well, hey, they'll take that country club. Fans <laughs> are spoiled in Vegas. Hey, we'll take that in Las Vegas. We got a cup in some uh, some team. Like, look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've gone um, – what is it, 40, 55 seasons from the last time of winning a cup. Some, I think there's four or five teams. I might even be sick. There's five teams that have never been to the Stanley Cup final. So, it's, I mean, it's, it's really special. It's going to be fun. I hope your, uh, your listeners can uh, tune in tonight to Channel 8 and watch uh, Mr. Bill Foley kind of reminisce. And we're going to go back. I went back this morning. I went through all my old archive stuff in 2015, 16, and, and got some of those old interviews and some of those things that we're going to play on the air and get Foley's reaction to some of the things that he said back then and how it all came true, and it's going to be fun. 
News 8 tonight, 6.30 with Chris Matthews and Bill Foley. Uh, sit down and uh, just recap the history, uh, what's taken place, uh, you know, going back to 2017 to the present, and the Golden Knights winning the Cup here uh, just two nights ago. Here's my other question. You're there for two days plus, you know, with Bill Foley up there in Montana. And you're talking about, oh, we did some interviews and then we took a break to go eat. And then, you know, we're looking at deer and all this other kind of stuff and coming back the next morning. Chris, you know, especially back in those days when, you know, you're probably going back and, you know, okay, well, how much of this stuff are we really going to use? I'm curious, how much of that stuff did you actually use from those initial interviews when you came back? Because, again, no one's really talking about hockey at that point in time. How much did that really end up on the cutting room floor compared to how much you well, used? Well, surprisingly, we used a lot of this because we came back and did a three-part special, and then I just used sound bites from different things that we were talking about as the, as the decisions came around and as he talked about this and talked about that. We used, we used different sound bites from Bill Foley and, and at just at various points, we would throw in, Oh yeah, remember when Bill said this? I'll do a story on that and Bill said this. So we, we really milked this entire, uh, two days that we were up there with, with, uh, Mr. Foley and, and, um, God, it was just so tremendous. Those who, those who know him, like you said, those who get to work with them and so forth are really, really lucky because he's a good guy. He's, I mean, there's owners that you probably, are happy that are not in Las Vegas. We've got a couple of good ones. We think of Bill Foley and Mark Davis and, and, uh, and that. So I, we're lucky here in Las Vegas. No doubt uh, about that. All right. We'll look forward to that 630 tonight on News 8. Uh, before we let you go, Chris, talk, let's talk a little bit about, uh, the clinching game, the nine goals. You talk about, you know, uh, history, uh, looking at that nine goals. You got, you got to go back. 81 years before you had a team that had nine goals, and it was that team that you mentioned, the Toronto Maple Leafs, what, in 1942, and then six years before that, the Detroit Red Wings, they scored nine goals in a Stanley Cup clinching game, and the Knights come out and do it. I want to, just your perspective, you know, you're in the building, you're there, it's game five, I think we all kind of anticipated, okay, this is probably going to be the night, and then the Knights got off to that great start with Mark Stone's shorthanded goal, and it was two nothing and then you know florida got one goal back and and for me what stood out was when florida scored that goal and it was two to one it, it was like anticlimactic i mean i looked at the florida bench i looked at uh, the florida players and they weren't even really excited that they got that goal it was like they knew they knew from the beginning like, yeah. this is not going to be your night but i thought that was the strangest thing that you're an elimination game i mean think about this okay it's 3-1 as far as the games in this series and you just cut it 2-1 and you kind of really cut the, all the momentum it was really quiet at t-mobile arena you know early in the second period but there was no emotion from these Florida players. I mean, just think, okay, your hat, you cut it in half. You could tie this thing. Hey, you could go back home for a game six. Who knows what happens? But it looked like that was just not on their radar. I don't, that's what was no. my takeaway at that no. point in time. Oh. Here we go. The explosion with the four goals in the fourth, rather in the second period. Yeah, that second period in Vegas has been so awesome in the second period all through the playoffs. And, and, and I even, I tweeted out. As I'm sitting there after that second thinking, well, no, it was even in the third period when I tweeted out because everything was just so quiet. They were totally dominating the game. And I said, you know what? These fans are quiet, just itching for this thing to end so they can go crazy. And that's exactly what happened. Just cause there was, there, it was anticlimactic after the, you know, the Knights got up and just were exploding goal after goal after goal. And it's like, okay, fans, cause 
let's just wait. Now this thing, now they count down, count down, and then call them the explosion. And there were so many people. Uh, my daughter calls when we were waiting in line to go out on the ice to interview players. She had tears in her eyes, and I know that's the same expression and feelings and emotion that a lot of people had in that building when the Knights won it all because they'd been with them from the start. They were Vegas born. Remember Derek England's uh, speech at the very first game of the season at home, the, the home opener. And um, all those feelings, all, I mean, they went out and gave blood. They helped the first responders. It, it, it was a different start, a different time, and the people that were there from the start just knew what this meant. And I, there were so many wet eyes, tears of joy, people just loving what happened and and it really was a special night and you know you've been here from the start uh a lot of people just this team did a lot for the vegas born that's that's the that's the tag that's the hashtag and it is so true yeah you know chris i mean hockey in the desert it's not gonna work i mean come on nah it'll never work here (laughs) (laughs) and and that was a debate remember that was a debate. oh yeah it's good. Yeah. Uh, my friend, uh, That's so good, right. l- good luck, uh, t- tonight with that. We'll be watching. And, uh, for our listeners that, uh, you know, maybe might be at, maybe at the Aces game tonight or whatever, don't get a chance to see it live. Uh, tell them, can they go watch this yeah, on the it. app or the website uh, afterwards? Uh, yeah, we'll, live? We'll, yeah, we'll put it up. We'll yeah. put it up on the website so people can watch it. Eightnewsnow.com. Um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, either if, if you're not going to the Aces game tonight or the soccer, watch it. Yep. Maybe record it. DVR the uh, six thirty to seven, and you'll hear a lot about Bill Foley from the beginning right to the end. So it's going to be fun. A lot of people have moved in here since twenty seventeen. So a lot of people might not know about how this whole thing started, right. his plan, his vision, and some of the things that he talked about that he wanted to make happen. So you'll hear it all tonight. Mm-hmm. Well, great stuff, Chris. Uh, uh, in, enjoy. Appreciate the time, as always, my friend. And uh, looking forward to seeing you real soon. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. There he is. Uh, Chris Matthews over at News 8, fine sports director over there. Uh, tune in tonight, News 8, 6.30 p.m., uh, between 6.30 and 7, um, taking over the new spot there, Extended Sports. Uh, Chris will be one-on-one with uh, Bill Foley talking about the history and, of course, of course, the culmination of winning the Stanley Cup title here at the Fortress um, just two nights ago. Fantastic stuff, so make sure that you watch that. All right, we come back. We talk a little handicapping. Scott Spritz is going to join us, an avid Golden Knights fan, and uh, he's been to many, many games uh, and also – Made some money betting on the Stanley Cup as well. We'll hit on that and a whole lot more on this very, very busy, raucous, thunderous Thursday. Drop that ghetto blaster! There's more in store around your door and more of what you're looking for with the Dr. T.C. Martin. Busy days since being back here. And again, the celebration continues with the Vegas Golden Knights. Aces in action tonight against the Seattle Storm. Come on out to the Michelob Ultra in Mandalay Bay. 7 o'clock tip, 6.30 pregame if you can't get out there. Pride night. It'll be a good one tonight. And uh, the Aces, a mere 18.5 point favorite. That's it. This is not your, I don't want to say your mother's. Seattle Storm Team, Father's Seattle Storm Team, over your long-lost 
cousin's Seattle Storm team, but it's a different st- Seattle Storm team. And uh, just like the Chicago Sky on Sunday where the Aces were a a, a big favorite as well. But uh, get used to this. A lot of big numbers uh, with this team, and they'll be in action uh, tonight. Rested, back home. It'll be the second of a three-game home trip, then a quick trip over to Phoenix uh, at the middle of next week, and then back here for a few more games. Remember, so we're in a stretch now, eight of the next nine games for the Aces at home, and I'm loving that. I'm telling you. All right, and uh, let's uh, visit with our good friend, our handicapper extraordinaire, the one only Scott Spritzer. What's going on, Scooter? Hey, TC, how's it going? It's going good, man. I don't know. I'm sorry, man. You know, Numchup got that scooter in my in my mind. You know, I just can't oh, get I've rid been of called it. that forever. I it's know. okay. <laughs> I know. I just I never called you that because I never knew it. And then Elvis and he said it, and then now I guess I'm kind of hooked. Who knows what? There you go. What's going on over there at the Sprites or, uh, you know, uh, Palisades? Oh, man, just uh, kind of just getting an early jump on Friday's baseball and, and uh, uh, getting over the uh, craziness of the last few days of celebrating the Golden Knights and uh, trying to decide if I'm going to make it to the parade on Saturday night. Well, I know uh, someone in your family that pro- probably really would love to go to that parade. You know, I don't know if she's going to be back around here or not, but uh, I-, I could see that being on her bucket list. She actually has to fly to Reno tomorrow morning for three days, come back Sunday afternoon. Uh, for She's actually landed a job in, uh, at a gymnastics club up there as an assistant coach. Wow. And so while she's going to college, she's going to be working three or four days a week, and they're flying her up there. They're paying for it, and uh, they're flying her up there to, uh, for training for the next couple of days because when she goes back in a month, she'll be uh, – an assistant coach for the traveling team. So pretty happy about that while she's going to college. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, I know that you've uh, been going to Golden Knights games and following this team and and handicapping and betting on them. Uh, Talk a little bit about what your eyes saw and this uh, run through the cup, uh, especially what stood out, you know, for you this season and in the finals. Yeah, I remember when we talked about this series when it when it was you know first decided that these two teams, the Panthers and the Golden Knights, were going to face each other in the finals, and you know you'd asked about like the 2018 uh, finals and all that kind of stuff, and I said it reminded me of that, but this time the Vegas Golden Knights were the Washington Capitals of 2018. Really felt that Florida played way above their head to get where they were, and it was like you know two weeks to go in the season or something like that. They were outside looking in to get to the playoffs. And they rode a very hot goalie through those first few series and were able to come back against Boston and win their next two series. And I ended up, like, I think I might have mentioned on your show back then, uh, playing Vegas minus one and a half games, which means for those not familiar with it, that they could win 4-2, 4-1, or 4 nothing in a series. And I cash and uh, we got that ticket done. But yeah, going into it, I thought it was pretty much a mismatch. Uh, when you look at the depth of Vegas, when you look at the goaltending, which you know, we were all talking about a Florida one. It would be because of Bobrovsky uh, staying hot. But, you know, looking at what had happened with Aiden Hill since he came in uh, in, in the second uh, series of the playoffs, you know, he was playing just as well as Bobrovsky for the most part. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that Vegas had done was really, really decide they were going to get in front of pucks. And they had an enormous amount of blocks. I forget what the total was by the end of the series that were blocked even before they got uh, to the goalie. So just much deeper, much more talented, better coach. Um, and when the series got underway, we found out the better goaltender. Just right down the line, everything was better. So I was really happy with it. We won 
uh, our individual games, all but I think one, and uh, and of course cash that minus one and a half games for the overall series in. You could tell, I mean, it was such a mismatch. Not just the 9-3 game, uh, TC, but those, you know, 5-2 to two games or 7-2 to two games, you know, were obviously mismatches. And one of the reasons I played the Knights in the final game uh, was the fact that I went back and looked at their one-goal win that they had in Florida. And if you look at the metrics, they dominated that game. That was like a three-goal victory that ended up a one-goal win. Their high-danger chances were night and day. Uh, better than the Panthers. Their overall scoring chances wasn't even close. They were like plus nine in scoring chance. I mean, right down the line. Uh, it was just one of those games where Bobrovsky did show up and played extremely well between the pipes. But I played him again, you know, again, to wrap it up in game five because I just saw that that one goal game uh, indicated a much closer game than it actually was. And it was domination start to finish. And the one thing I was bothered by a little bit, if you're, you know, this is what happens when you become a fan of a team. I'm watching the broadcast, I'm watching the panels talking, and they spent half the time talking about, oh, Florida's a tired team. Oh, they're banged up. Bobrovsky's tired. Look at what he had to do those first three series. I'm like, you know what? I don't care if they got 28 hours of rest. They were getting their butts kicked in that particular series. It, it, it's right. You know, people will always try to look for an excuse and they think, oh, well, that's an easy narrative, right? The team travels right. 3,000 miles. They're an eight seed. They're an underdog all the way. And, and, you know, the same thing that we heard with the Miami Heat. Well, Jimmy oh. Butler, he's tired, you know, and, you know, yeah, they're all tired. I mean, they're all tired, but you know what? These guys are, are professional athletes, and and that's not the reason that uh, the Florida Panthers lost or the Miami Heat lost. Uh, they got beat by better teams, and they the Golden Knights and the Denver Nuggets were number one seeds for a reason because right. they have played great basketball slash hockey all year long. They are deep, like you mentioned, both of those teams extremely deep, and uh, you know they bought into uh, their respective systems. And they were just better. I mean, plain and simple better. And as you know, Scott, I mean, this is all always about matchups. And when we're right. betting, we're looking for advantageous matchups. And I thought in both of those situations with the Nuggets and the Golden Knights, it was just advantageous for both. Not because they had home court and home ice advantage, but just matchups, the depth and, and the styles of play and everything. And, you know, uh, again, I said this when I didn't bet the series, but I'm kind of kicking myself because I, I said, I think I mean, I asked you, I go, don't you think like minus 130, 130, 135 is kind of a, a cheap price and there's value on the Golden Knights. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, and that's, you know, I decided to go that minus one and a half games and get a real nice price uh, because I just thought it was such a mismatch. And I thought it was going to take a whole lot of luck for Florida to win the series. And actually, it would have taken, I don't want to, I don't know the better word for this, but dumb or not too smart play from the Golden Knights to lose that series. And that's one of the things that we saw what was cool about uh, this particular series. And, and Vegas kind of learned the hard way in that Edmonton series. Florida did the same thing as Edmonton. They came out, they were going to try to draw penalties. They were going to try to, you know, take cheap shots and get Vegas for being that, you know, the retaliation penalty where the, you know, see it in every sport. The guy who retaliates ends up, ends up getting called for the penalty. And Vegas wasn't going to have anything to do with that, basically, from the drop of the first puck in the in game one of the first series. And they kind of learned that we got to stay out of the, out of the box. We got to stay away from taking stupid penalties. They learned that against Edmonton. They didn't do it much, thankfully, against Dallas. And then against Florida, it was, you know, they just went out and laid hard hits on them. You know, a hit on Kachuk, 
legal as it gets. It was fantastic. Hate to see a guy get injured. Hey, you know what? Put Kachuk out there 100%. They still lose four games to one. Yep. You know, that was just another excuse for them, for the media to, to say that, you know, that's why they lost or whatever. But the bottom line was is that, you know, they played so smart. And I'm guessing, you know, you got to give about 60% of that to Cassidy and about 40% of that to the players, maybe 50-50. But in both cases, they knew what they had to do. They didn't get drawn into that crap. And, and they clobbered them start to finish for the most part. So, man, it was fun. It was just a blast. Um, it was, it's one of the few times, TC, that I can remember in many, many years where I was rooting for a team outside of just betting, you know, and, and, uh, so our whole neighborhood was going crazy in the street, but, you know, it was just a good time. Yeah. Scott Spritzer joins us, docsports.com. You can go to docsports.com, subscribe to, uh, Scott's plays, no matter, uh, what the sport here. And we're talking hockey. We're talking Golden Knights right now. Scott, I don't know if you're much of a futures guy, but we know that it's always popular for sportsbook the moment that, uh, a team wins a championship, uh, futures are up on the board, uh, immediately. Is, is that something that, that you look at right now? Like, okay, hey, the Golden Knights going back to back, or maybe, you know, hey, maybe there's could be some value early on here with uh, Edmonton or Colorado next year, because those are teams that were supposed to, especially Colorado, a team that was really supposed to, you know, get it done this year and, and they didn't. Uh, are you one of those guys that will put their money out, you know, basically a, a year in advance to try to, you know, get a jump on a future bet? Never. I haven't even looked at the odds. I, I think I heard Vegas was like 10 to 1 or something. And, uh, I mean, you know, is Aiden Hill going to be on the team next year? Right. You know, that yeah, guy, yeah. you know, you got so many free agent, free agent dealings that have to take place with top teams, lower level teams, middle of the pack teams in every sport, you know, professional sport. Uh, in fact, at college basketball, I don't even, I don't take, I don't make, um, uh, futures before the season for March Madness. I, I usually wait until about, uh, Mid-December, I'll start looking at the adjusted odds, and I might make two or three bets at that point. Uh, but and especially in college now with the uh, NIL and yeah, the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff, I don't mess with anything ahead of the uh, seasons. And I never did that with professional sports. I mean, I can remember going back as long as you've been able to bet, you know, a, a future on a team to win a championship before the season began. I don't remember having a bet on something like that in professional sports in my entire lifetime. I just won't do it. Too many things could happen. You know, this year you got the college football NIL, the transfer portal. I was asked yesterday by Adam Joseph, good friend of ours. We were having lunch a couple days ago, actually. And uh, he goes, are you, are you jumping in on anything in college? And I said, you know what? I am going to be so, not only not jumping in with any futures, but I'm going to be so conservative the first two or three weeks of the season. You know, I'm going to have a couple of plays here and there. They're going to be low-level plays in all like, likelihood or lower-rated plays. Because, man, we got all these teams that, you know, new faces. Colorado's got a 120 personnel turnover, for instance, you know, and, and, uh, so it's going to be one of those things where I just like to see a team, you know, being able to play a game or two in professional sports. I want to wait till the free agency signings are over with before I even think about it. I'm with you. And I never understood that. I know, you know, I get why the books put it up because they want to get action and maybe from tourists that are there and hold the ticket for a while. And again, I don't know how much, you know, uh, sharp action, you know, the professional players, you know, do that. And I know, of course, you know, you got big bankrolls. You can afford to, you know, you want to put a thousand bucks or a nickel or whatever it is on, on, on a future like, Hey, but, 
forget all that. I just don't understand how you can handicap a roster, you know, with free agency, with, you know, potential, who knows what coaching changes, injuries. Like you said, you have no idea. I just never understood that logic or that mindset for people to jump out in that. There's just, to me, there's just too much that can possibly go wrong, especially like you said, in this day and age now where there is so much change. I mean, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I mean, rosters were pretty much rosters. You kind of knew who was coming back, but doesn't matter what the sport is now. And, and now, like you said, include college in this. You have no idea who's going to be on your team, you know, when they get underway, you know, four or five, six months from now. I'll tell you a good example. The Creighton Blue Jays are a couple of plays away from a final four or a championship game yep. uh, appearance. They've got everybody coming back. Guess what? Like five of those players of their top seven or eight are going to be playing for a different college in the fall. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. How in the world does a team that's, you know, almost at the championship game see five players who are in the top seven rotation now playing somewhere else? Because they can make more money in other locations. You know, they've lost, they've got the big guy coming back and that's about it. So I will do this though, TC. I do have like, for instance, three over under wins totals bet already the NFL. And I do start looking at that in May. Yeah. And so I've got three so far and the NFL rosters are basically set Correct. right now. So yep. over under wins totals I've jumped into with three plays thus far. And uh, I will do that. But as far as futures to win championships, man, and college was tempting in the past. And, you know, I remember when the Golden Nugget had the games of the year that have whatever, 60, 70 games posted uh, in late May. And then Chris Andrews at the South Point started doing it even earlier. I don't even, I haven't looked at a college football line. It's already June 15th. And I'm telling you what, it used to be I started looking at college football on May 1st. It's June 15th. Now, I was telling a couple of people the other day, I'm like, I won't be looking at college football until the third week of July, maybe the fourth week of July. It's just ridiculous right now, and it's like wasting your time working on stuff that may never even come to fruition on the field as far as some of the key players. So why even take the time to do it? You're right. All right, uh, so you, you, you teased us. You know, talking about you've already got your eye on on three um, totals here, or total wins for the NFL. Let's go. Let's hear it. What are you looking at, man? Well, I did take a couple of games so far, and I'm going to punch up and see what the wins totals are right now as we're speaking because they may have changed. So just bear with me while I'm doing that. Um, I am involved in the the three teams. I'll tell you right now are the Denver Broncos, who I played over with their wins total. And I mean, just right off the bat, you got a real head coach now yeah. instead of whatever that was on the sideline last year. <laughs> One of the things about Denver that they didn't do last year, which just blows my mind and blew my mind last year, is you bring in new players, you bring in a brand new quarterback, the key position obviously on the field, who's never played in that offensive system. You're trying to uh, get the team and the players ready to uh, to utilize when it comes to the regular season, and then you give those starting offensive players, including your starting quarterback, not a single snap in preseason football. Not one snap against live opposition in a preseason game. What did they expect was going to take place? And so what I did, for instance, with the Denver Broncos is I started looking at how how close their games were last year. They had a ton of one-possession losses with a team that just wasn't ready to even take the field with the offense they had. So you got... Now, seven or eight one-score losses, if they split those games, you can see how well they would have done throughout the course of the season. And now you've got a real coach who's going to go with more of a 
a regular look that you'll see out of a team quarterback by a Russell Wilson. He started playing better at the end of last year, and I thought, you know what, I think this team's going to go over their total of eight and a half. And I'm looking it up right now at my notes, TC, uh, that I wrote for myself. Last year, they lost nine games by one score, a total of 37 points over nine games, just over four a game, four points a game. Three of the losses came in overtime. So at the end of the regulation in those nine games, Denver had just a minus 25 points differential or 2.8 points per game. Nine losses were at the end of regulation. They were trailing by less than three points. How crazy is that? So you replace Hackett for Sean Payton in those nine games. Maybe they win four of those games. You know, all of a sudden they've got a decent record. So I do think that Denver comes around. I mean, they go from five and 12 to like nine and eight. If probably if Payton's on the field and they can just win four of those nine games. Uh, so I do like them to bounce back. That was the one that caught my attention the most. That was my favorite. Uh, and real quickly, I'll just tell you that I jumped on, um, uh, the Seahawks, uh, under eight and a half wins. I think they're going to struggle this year. I won't get into all the reasons unless we have time. <laughs> Excuse me. And I have the Giants under eight and a half. Nine, seven, one last year to playoff berth. They allowed 25 more yards per game than they gained. They were all about the ground game. They were 27th though, defending the ground game. So that's stuff they got to work on. And they gave up like 21.8 points per game, which was more than they averaged for the season as far as scoring is concerned. And if you look at the way they finished the season, they go 2-5-1. and one. And the wins were against Indy and Washington, two bad teams. I, I, don't, I don't like this Giants team this year. I love the coaching job done last year and the way the team bought into the new coaching staff. But I think it comes a little back to the back to more of where they are as far as their talent is concerned this year and ended up playing them under eight and a half. Great stuff there, Scott. You know, real quick, since we're talking about this, I know that there's been talk about the, the Raiders. You know, where do you put the Raiders at right now? Do you think that that line is, is where it should be as far as total wins? Or if you had to make a case for an under-over wins total on Raiders, what would you say? If I had to do it, and I'm, I'm probably not going to be involved in it, but if I had to do it, I would, I would lean towards uh, the Raiders to finish under their wins total. Uh, this deal with Jimmy G is a little bit, you know, shaky, obviously. And, you know, is he going to be the quarterback week five for this Las Vegas team? And, and what are they going to have to play the quarterback position? And listen, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not one of those guys who like rides Jimmy G and, oh, he's not that great and all this kind of stuff. He's been to the, uh, you know, the promised land and he had a chance to win a Super Bowl a few years ago against Kansas City and it didn't come to fruition. They ended up losing that game. I give him credit, and the players like him, but I don't know if he's got anything left. I really don't, and so we have to wait and see. So at this point, I would lean towards Las Vegas under their wins total. And what, where, what is that number right now, just so our listeners can know? For yeah, I got to punch it up. They're not uh, they're not favored to be a 500 football team, but I'll have to let me as we're talking. I, and I'll and I'm trying to find it. <laughs> I was trying to find it while you were talking about that as well, too, to do that. Uh, you know, looking at uh, all of. The different win totals here, and and I know it was under here. It is. Let me. Well, this is going to be from a couple of weeks ago, I'm sure, but I'm punching it up now. And uh, da, 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 over under seven and a half. Yeah, and see, uh, I I really think it's going to be tough for them to wow. win eight games. Wow. The overs plus one thirty. The unders minus one fifty. Yeah. And this is from a week ago, so it's 
not been that long and that and this is a, you know one of the books here but minus 150 under seven and a half and, and as i as i rehash this this team with you and we talk about the wins total and i hadn't looked at them for a month i'm thinking that's why i stayed off it was because i had to lay a buck 50 to play the under mm. and that's just a little bit too juicy for me yeah and i, I know there's diehard fans out there saying are you kidding me we're going to the playoffs seven and a half that's a joke that's easy i mean <laughs> I, I i've heard media people and fans say that like are you kidding me? you know 17 game season you know we're not going to go 10 and 7 of course we are you know yeah uh, well you got the chiefs who are you know the best team in football right now you got the chargers who's got an over under of nine and a half they'll probably win nine or ten games maybe 11 you got the broncos who i just told you right. is you know one of my three favorite over under win plays this entire uh, NFL campaign and their over is minus a dollar ten on that eight and a half. So it's not like people are playing the under there. And then you got Las Vegas. So you got six games against teams with that right. that the books have projected to have at least one more win than you. That's going to be tough. Maybe they go two and four. Uh, you know, when I that's one thing I wanted to say real quickly is that when you look at NFL wins totals, and I've been telling this people this for about a decade, and you hear you know like outside of like Vegas, like I mean, you know, uh, sports betting as well as anyone. But there are people out there who've just become involved in sports betting when they do their analysis, radio hosts, TV hosts, things of that nature, especially outside of Nevada. And they'll say, well, look at the you know Denver Broncos uh, schedule. It's the fifth toughest in football based on last year. And right there, I'm like, wipe off the base of last year. Yeah. Wipe off that prepositional right. phrase. Right. You base it on the book's projected wins total for the upcoming campaign. Let the bookmakers do the work for you when you start talking about strength and weakness of schedules. I think that's the first time we've had the term prepositional phrase on this show. I mean, that's, <laughs> I, I don't know, Scott, where you're going with that. I mean, English major, Scott Spritzer, University of Nebraska. There you go. <laughs> Well, the N stands for knowledge. There you go. <laughs> That's nice. Very good. We've heard that one before. All right, my friend. Real quick, uh, Denver beats Miami in in four and five games. Uh, we saw the Nuggets what cover? I believe what uh, with three of the five games, and they were all double digit, you know, fashion. There. Uh, where were you at on on any of those games, totals, series with the NBA Finals? Yeah, I didn't play the second to last game, but I jumped in in the final game and won that kind. I, I played the first quarter of Miami plus three and a half, and they were leading 24 to 22 at the end of the first quarter, so we covered that by five and a half points. I had one big play. It was game one. We cashed that one, and then after that, it was a lot of small stuff, but we ended up winning as far as money was concerned. Uh, in the postseason, terrific playoff season, and then, of course, in the finals, uh, we lost one game, but uh, yeah, you know, Miami covered full game, but TC, I thought, I don't know if they've got the strength to hang around with things potentially become an 8-10 to 10 point game maybe in the fourth quarter and you're worn out, yeah. uh, but they did. Give them credit for hanging around and covering, but I, I took them in the first quarter and got the win there. There you go. Very nicely done. The Nuggets phenomenal at home, 11-1 and one at home in the playoffs, 45-8 and eight during the course of the regular season and these playoffs, and uh, they were definitely the cream of the crop. They were the class. There's no question about that um all right scott appreciate uh, the time as always my friend great stuff uh he's a great follow on twitter as well too at scott wins and then go to docsports.com uh for scott's plays as well too you, any juicy baseball real quick for us are, are you taking yeah. all that plus money with the a's night in and night out <laughs> even though the, the win streak has now come to an end but uh our good friend chuck esposito said the other day he says we 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 can't get anybody to take the a's it doesn't matter if they're winning doesn't matter if we put plus 240 on the board they don't want them. 
I got to get a new crystal ball so I know when a team like that's going to win seven or eight in a row, man. I wasn't on them on any game. Right. Uh, kind of like the Braves tonight if you lay a run and a half. Uh, so we'll have to see. You know, I'm not a big run line guy with the team that's playing at home because they don't necessarily get that final at bat if they're up one run. Laying about a buck twenty-five, I think Atlanta minus a run and a half. Small action isn't a bad idea. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, the Astros uh, took care of business the last two days as, as big favorites over Washington. Sentimental play. Dusty's birthday today. They got to win on Dusty's birthday, Scott. Well, that might have to be an additional play that I make now. I didn't know it was Dusty's birthday. I'm telling you. <laughs> there it is. All right. The man is uh, now a cool 74. He was a cool 72 a couple years ago and a, and a hip 73, so i got to find a, a different uh, adjective for 74. I don't know. Hey, man, we all want to be part of the 70s club, don't we? So congratulations, <laughs> Dusty. $2 today. Christian Javier on the mound. Why not? Let's go. Run line? Let's go, Scott. <laughs> Buck 90 you can find now. Oh, look at that. There you go. Appreciate you as always, brother. Be good. Go, go to Freddy's and get yourself a burger and a dog. All right, don't hesitate. Participate. I'll be there, man. Take care. All right, there is Scott Spritzer. All right. I want to thank Scott for joining us today. Jesus Lopez, Chris Matthews, and then the flashback with Jonathan Marcheseau, Marchi, the Con Smythe Trophy winner. All right, you miss any part of that, go to the website. Check it all out, tcmartinshow.com. And... Go back and listen to our interview yesterday with Mattress Mac. That's all right, baby. Free, free, free. Sitting on top of a roof. He's going to be there for 100 days. Trying to sell 10,000 mattresses. What are you going to do? You got to love, thrive, thrive, survive. What are you going to do? You got to do. You got to do. Free, free, free. Mattress Mac. Elwood. Jake. What are we going to do?